Good morning, friends, and welcome to the Colloquial Koi Podcast, Episode 7. Today is December 20th, 2019. It's a great day to be alive. One, two, three, four. Welcome, friends. We are marching ever closer to the biggest day on the kiddom calendar and the kid inside of us, and hope springs eternal for all things new on December 25th. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Busy week this week. Been trying to catch up on a great deal of many things before I myself embark on the most treasured tradition of the season, which is best enjoyed by the warm embrace of kith and kin. This tree symbolizes the Griswold family Christmas. I begin vacation today, December 20th, roughly 5 p.m., and will not return to the working world till January 7th, 2020. Hard to believe. New Year is at our doorstep knocking can't believe how fast this year has gone and even some days how slow the year has gone I'll share something with you that has been on my heart and mind here at least for the past week and just talking with people and my journey this past year and the journey of others and you know music that I've listened to things like that so October an album came out by a band or I'm sorry Again, another very talented rap artist. Uh, Don't call it old school, just respect the classics, is what I'll call it. Has a very nice classic tune to it. Uh, Name of this gentleman is Crum, K-R-U-M. He used to be under the performing name of Play-Doh, so if you're familiar with any of that, that's who I'm talking about. Brilliant album, came out in October. Some really great artwork on the cover of it. But the name of the album is Here's Mud in Your Eye. Uh, Without going into detail, that whole album spoke to me um, this past year. I don't feel like I've just had mud in my eyes. I'm going to say I've been in it up to my eyes, if I'm perfectly honest. And and so the the story and the parallel throughout this uh, record, this album... Um, Crumb laces together some soundtracks from a a different preachers talking about you know the story in the Bible where the blind man went to Jesus he wanted to see uh, so Jesus took some some dirt and mud some spit and mud, rubbed it in his eyes, and then he could see. He was healed. And so one of the clips in the in the song, uh, which is brilliant, I'll find you the exact one so you can hear it too, but he's phasing in and out of this song, but also has this guy in the background talking and, you know, about, you know, the challenges in life. So did you get through? You know, did God pull you through? And And part of it is... I don't care if it takes a little dirt and mud and spit in my eye 
I want to see what the Lord has for me to see. And, you know, brilliant, brilliant the way it was based in there. But also, that's how I felt this year. So, with that album release and everything else, I'm like, I can relate to this. I feel like I've been up to my mud all around me. And the people that I've, you know, traveled in circles with, there's just this mud that's clinging to us. And the thought that I kept thinking, you know, for now in 2020, then I want some spit to go with some of that mud. I want to get to the, you know, get through some of this stuff. But it's all good. Have life, health, and limb, and all the all those things. This journey this year has been one of emotional, mental, spiritual, I guess in some aspects, physical challenges over this past year. Myself, people I've known. So from that standpoint, I'm ready to close the book on 2019, and I'm ready to jump in 2020. So real quick, since I took a couple days off playing catch-up and getting some other things done there's just a couple things i want to talk about before i roll into uh last night uh well i guess it would have been a 1205 showing of the rise of skywalker i went with my son some of his college buddies and looking at the room i was the old guy in the place uh i couldn't take it anymore i had to go see it even though i have plans to see it with the family uh, yet this weekend or monday but this week, real quick, I just want to touch on something. So I'm in the water business, and article came out. Well, anybody that's kind of been tracking, at least, well, let's just say anything in Ohio and nationally. You know, Governor DeWine has rolled out this H2 Ohio initiative, you know, a 17 or 19 point checklist of what we're going to do, and which is good. I sometimes politicians yap just to hear themselves yammer but uh, I believe there to be a concerted focus on doing what's right here but uh, I would say in the past year and a half two years via documentaries via testing methods via news reports articles statewide so this this the newest emerging it's not new but uh, related to public relations and in the public forum if you will um, this compound known as PFAS, P-F-A-S, or P-F-O, P-F-O-A, P-F-O-A. So, um, I always forget sometimes with these, um, chemical chains. This is why people like me in the field love the, uh, acronyms or abbreviations because we can't always en- enunciate it correctly, especially as we're driving and don't have it in front of me on a piece of paper or my phone, but, uh, Plurophora blah 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 acid so long of the short PFAS is this generally used industrial compound or component that's pretty much in everything there some of this started well years ago anything related to non-stick non-stickware cooking um you know that teflon business uh so this PFAS is a akin to uh is it c c6 it's kind of in the same family group, too, as the Gen X stuff, that chemical compound, if you're tracking with some of that, know any of that. Anyhow, we've used it for years, 30, 40, 40 years, 50 years, non-stickware cooking, also the same type of compounds that are used in stain-proof carping, carpeting. You know, God forbid we have upholstery that might actually stain, but then, you know, we put compounds on it to limit it. Um, non-stick wear it's plastics it's it's in everything that's almost industrial industrially produced i'll even say like your sandwich wrappers at the fast food chains you know where it's uh, got that slicky plastic you know where your cheese can peel off of that paper instead of paper on paper cheese on paper it's that slick all that stuff the, the lining of paper cups you know all this stuff is in there so the big thing right now there was a documentary netflix uh the devil you know or the devil we know something about this like pfas is everywhere it's not a matter of uh if you have it it's how much is in your bloodstream because it's in everything there's documented cases where these compounds have been found in the polar ice caps you know part of aerosols and things like that i mean it's everywhere so it's these uh long chain it's a it's a long chain chain chemical uh product 
Um, and so if you've tracked anything with our state, DeWine, and everybody else that's a part of this, they're listed in the categories forever chemicals because whether we use it, wash it, you know, it, it without a direct removal and destruction of this compound, it's always there in some form or another. It could be bound in different, you know, waste streams, freshwater streams. And so the focus now is, all right, how do we destroy it? So one of the biggest things that this product was used in was fire foaming agents. Uh, modern day, and I, I can't remember when this was rolled out, but firefighters now, you know, uh, can roll up onto a scene and, and have a foaming truck, use less water, but use this foam, you know, like this shaving cream foam, you know, to smother a chemical fire, or I believe a chemical fire, electrical fire, things like that. Been used for years, been used for training, been used for on military bases for like the fire jumpers these guys training so people have been around it for years and years and years so there's concentrated elevated levels of this PFAS and groundwater well supplies at military bases and industrial sites you know all over the place so now it's a big thing that we're keeping an eye on and however many years it took us to say hey maybe this stuff isn't so good article came out this this week Michigan is all but banning the use of it uh, you know, because of the, the health hazards and where this is tracking, you know, my first initial response is, well, duh, it took us this long to figure it out. Uh, but this ties into another article that I read about 5G. If you don't know about 5G, read about it. There's something that they're, they, I'm going to say the phone companies, you know, because of our unquenchable thirst for data, downloading pictures, Instagramming and all this stuff. Uh, they got to build and improve the network because it's too congested, so on and so forth. So the 5G towers, I believe there's 800,000 that need to be installed across the U.S. They'll be at a lower, lower elevation. There'll be less distance between them, higher frequency, electromagnetic frequencies and pulses. So there's a group of scientists that say, hey, let's pump the brakes on this. We're not really sure what the physiological health effects are on people. We understand the, this science, these scientists were saying, we believe that the current 4G has an effect on people along with Wi-Fi and things like that, but it's at a lower frequency or lower rate, so any subtle changes will take a little more time to see. They're worried with this 5G, it won't be that subtle. There will be mental, physical side effects. That's what they're expecting. So they are asking... The communities, the the science, the industrial industrial complex entities, like, hey, let's pump the brakes on this. So I think that's kind of brilliant and ties into the PFAS and the fire foam and all this stuff. So let's say that we, you know, of all the scientists that do this type of research, you got five percent that are always going to side with their research. Unfortunately, I would assume their research. 5% of the scientists are always going to say everything's beautiful and wonderful and man can do no good. And they're the ones that say, well, yeah, it has potential, but everything has potential to kill us, right? Then you've got the other 5% that say everything is bad. We need to shut everything off, throw everything away, eat only what we can grow, so on and so forth. So I like to think that there's a 90% majority, 90% of them that are kind of in the middle, can be swayed, but also free thinkers. And I feel like this group that we, they were talking about in this article were the ones like, hey, let's pump the brakes. Let's stop this. They want to put a moratorium on any more of these going up until the science is, is completed. Which I think is brilliant because we're also pleading with humanity and government saying, hey, this is what we're here to do, help protect people. So let's not be like these other chemical compounds in 10, 15 years from now we say, boy, we should have done our homework. So I think that's brilliant. I think it's... Uh, at least getting out there, because I also think like a scientist like this, no matter what he does, he's hanging his reputation on his concern right now. And by that, he could come out looking like a hero and everybody would applaud him. Great research. Good job. Thank you for calling this out. Even then, what does he have to gain by it? Some lecture series, some, some money, some other funding. And even if he's wrong saying, hey, let's pump the brakes... He's no worse off with his career. He's doing what scientists do. Look at the information, process and analyze with the idea that we're trying to protect people. So I can appreciate that. Anyhow, that's something that was on my mind. Back to a more glaring 
morning fog subject. The Rise of Skywalker. I couldn't take it. I had to go see it. I didn't want to be subjected to spoilers. I'm just kidding. But I guess I will, as a disclaimer, there may be some spoilers here if you haven't seen it. Uh, so maybe if you don't want to listen from here on out, maybe now's your chance uh, to click off. But let me first say this. I have been a Star Wars fan from the youngest age I can remember. Um, Star Wars and some of its brilliance was the product and merchandising. So a kid like me, I was playing with the toys before I ever saw a movie. Um, so kind of brilliant marketing from that standpoint, like let's roll out these fun action figures and toys and then let's build, you know, build on a movie series behind it. I have always loved, uh, the stories and the characters, what do they call it? The space opera, just the story behind it. And then guess the excitement of something like this you know something that starts out a movie you know a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and so that pulls you in like it's really far away but boy it's interesting these people and situations are just like things that we experience and go through so um as a kid loved them all I, the only one that i remember seeing in a movie theater i actually saw jedi as a kid return of the jedi the Empire Strikes Back and the New Hope were all, you know, VHS watches for me as a, as a young kid. So, just loved it. Loved the idea. There is, uh, you know, George Lucas, when he wrote it, it had spiritual leanings and implications. So, for me as a young man, I think it provided an identification tool to maybe my reality and what is going on in this fiction world. Even as a young kid, understood, hey, there is good and evil. Uh, dark and light, there's a tiptoe with, with all of it, I guess. So, um, then come along the prequels, which, you know, around, what, 98, 99, rolled out The Phantom Menace, which in that one, I really believe that they should have explored more of Kaiguan, or Qui-Gon Jinn's character, loved it. Then Attack of the Clones, get introduced to Mace Windu, uh, and then, of course, Revenge of the Sith, you know, it put a nice bookend on that. There were a lot of people that hated the prequels. Um, I wasn't one of them. I enjoyed them because it was still Star Wars. Um, so, you know, George Lucas and the cash cow uh, marry up with Disney, and there's still money to be had. And um, Force Awakens comes out. What is it supposed to be like 30 years after Return of the Jedi? Comes out in 20, was it 2015? Uh, I remember the anticipation for that, and that was one movie uh, I think we I went to see like three or four times in the theater. Never did that. I uh, thought that movie was well done. It had all the points to draw in the old fans and new fans. Well done. Decent, decent story. Again, I will say it's Star Wars in a movie theater. Uh, I got to go watch it. And then what they do, the, the Rogue One story... Uh, then they did The Last Jedi, Solo, Mandalorian, now, and now um, Rise of Skywalker. So let me first say that um, I fully recognize the difficulties and challenge of anyone now or another 10 years from now trying to pick up this saga that was built in the mind of George Lucas and you know some of it was accidental to where it got to the point to where it became a huge hit they didn't expect it to be a hit um, but folks with a creative leaning do have the the right to kind of make it up as they go along uh, so I will give them that I will say at least with the completion of the so-called Skywalker Saga in the last few installments. Great movies. Enjoyed them for what they were. I'll still say just my first gut reaction the morning after 
is that they got lazy with it. And by that I mean, let, let me say this. We all know um, there's there's only so many punchlines that correlate with, you know, thousands of jokes, right? Um, so even in the moment when you know the punchline, uh, it's not always sometimes, if you know the punchline, if you're a storyteller and you can wrap things up and you're listening to it, you know where it's going. In that moment, it's not about the punchline. It's about the delivery. It's about how this is framed up maybe in a different way, how it's framed up in a, a more reflective or individualistic approach, and then to flip and the punchline, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know. So I feel like that's what Star Wars is. Overall, there's an overarching, overreaching, maybe a somewhat complete circle on what some of this stuff means. I'm just, this is me talking it out. So, it's not so much uh, kind of dealing with the, I guess, flipping in the breeze fundamental plots of the story, because the fundamental plot parts of the story is very much human elements. It's people. You're dealing with people. You're, you're dealing with emotions. You're dealing with love and hate, hope, jealousy, death, life, redemption. You know, all these things, regardless of who the actors and who the characters are, you can weave a beautiful story in it. And so, again, this part of this saga, you know, we get an idea, you've built it along as you go, we get it, that maybe you didn't have a complete story to it, maybe you did, whatever, but it's how you deliver it. I personally think, at least with this movie, just on the surface, loved it, like it, my first reaction is that they got a little lazy with it, because they knew... They have an idea of people's understanding. They also know that we live in this universe now where Disney owns it, and they can do multiple things with this story now. So there's there's going to be less and less gaps in the story. So part of that, you have to accept that and move on with it, or you wouldn't want to go watch it in the theater or watch anything else again. You have to take it for what it's worth, that it's a story being told. And so that's I feel like they got lazy with it, that we know where it's headed, we know the potential, because it's a mirror of the other series, this dark and light, light rises up to meet the darkness, uh, vice versa, uh, you know, hope, redemption, you know, versus, you know, all the negative stuff. But I feel like they just got a little lazy with it, and I say that you have these great developed characters in some aspects, you know, even though they've killed off some of the, the aged people in the franchise, these young characters are a mirror of the ones of the past. So, the names have changed, but some of the identities and characteristics are still the same. So there's these identifiable uh, character arcs and plot points that you can identify with, but, you know, I guess, I guess maybe I expected a little more. And that's just from a standpoint. The, the, the hype was the end of the Skywalker's up. The final battle begins. You know, all this hype leading up to this, which was justified, but I still think, all right, you could have done more. So without going into too many details, I'm just going to kind of hit on some of the high points of this movie. And right off the bat, I'm going to say that the greatest thing that this movie has done, it was a part of my childhood that I got to share with my son. And so we were talking about that with his buddies on the way home last night. You know, I I got to I got to share this with my son, and it was something that you know when he was little, when the prequels were out, you know, got to share with the toys with each other, got to watch the movies, doing boy stuff, you know, the, the games that went along with it. So for what it's worth, just like sports or anything else, it's something that we got to do together. And we got to make memories about it and talk about it. It's also funny hearing him tell his story and hear his interpretation of everything. So that's highlight number one. It's something that 50 years from now, uh, uh, whatever, 50 years from now, maybe my son will be talking to his son or grandkid about watching this movie with their grandpa, you know, and making memories and what it meant to them and, 
because there's still those underlining human feel-good touch points uh, throughout this series. And that is one thing that they've done well. Identifiable characters, um, you know, with some diversity. That's part of the world that we live in now. You've seen that in the past. You see it now. I welcome the diversity and the change that's been infused into the franchise. Uh, some of the people that don't, well, they need to check themselves because uh, it's part of humanity. It's part of the story. Anyhow, so um, right off the bat, this whole idea of Emperor Palpatine showing back up on the scene. Um, so even most folks will say from uh, any varying points of religion there is no finality in death that things still go on um so the assumptions were that darth vader was a sacrifice uh in killing the emperor and bringing balance to the galaxy right well so long of the short they they pull a fast one and you know 30 40 30 years later however long Pull a fast one. Nah, he's alive. He's hooked up onto some weird Sith life support system and somehow has been pulling the strings all along, uh, been pushing, you know, the Empire. He pushed and forged the Empire. He pushed and forged the New Order. And then this is the final installment. The Last Order. That's what he called The Last Order, I think is what he called it. Um, so first of all, which is interesting because you get to see maybe how they wanted this guy to look all along. Those that know the prequels and trilogies, all this stuff, the varying, how Emperor has looked throughout the movies. But I mean, he was, he was a creepy Sith dude, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, and Kylo meets up with him. And of course, you know, he promises to give Kylo or give Kylo this new resurrected fleet to, you know, wipe out the resistance once and for all in the Jedi. He wanted to kill a Jedi. So the theme of this is, you know, it's the idea like where we live now, you know, the devil is considered the prince of the air, the ruler, you know, he's pulling the strings. And so there's that mirror for me, um, that he's that, uh, ever present bad guy. Um, that part of it, it's like, okay, you threw me a curveball, but ultimately, I guess I'm not surprised at this. Sorry, taking a drink of coffee. Not surprised at it, that, you know, if this guy was so powerful and smart. What makes you think he didn't have an exit plan and exit strategy all along? So it's like, okay, duh, alright, you know. And so basically the adventure and journey to basically... It's about finding oneself, one's true identity, if I would summarize it. Um, I will say in some aspects with the film, and this is just me, they do a good job at some points, you know, with with the humor. Some of it's really good, really timely. Some of it's too much. And that's just my opinion because I remember the, the older ones, you know, it was just timely one-liners, um, you know, either breaking the tension... Or providing that human element. Um, and so maybe that's what they're doing here. But some of it's like, okay, I, I get it. But you got enough going on here. Don't minimize the effect with, you know, story. But those of us that like to tell stories and be humorous, that's what we do. So <laughs> maybe it's me watching myself like, boy, this guy's annoying. I wish he quit making jokes. Eh, maybe I can relate. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's what that's about. Um there's a couple curveballs that I that I won't give away if you're, I guess, really interested. But, um, you know, long of the short, Ray has developed, you know, her power. So um, one of the people training her was, uh, you know, General Leia. Um, she was helping Ray, you know, like the, the whole idea of Luke training on um, Dagobah with Yoda. She's training with Leia. And she also has her cave moment like Luke did, um, which is, that was pretty cool. That was a neat way to kind of 
pull it in, uh, and I think we all can identify with that within us, you know, these, these dueling mindsets sometimes, so, uh, I'll leave that, the details there, but there was very much a cave moment, and, and so I'll tap on that, so in the process, you find out eventually that, you know, after Return of the Jedi, and, you know, Luke and Leia find out that they're twins, and who their father is, and they have the Force power, Leia started to train with Luke to become a Jedi, uh, and in the process built her own lightsaber, uh, which is neat. I mean, you know, part of you like, well, they never talked about that, but these are the gaps that you kind of want to see filled, and she trained, but, you know, she would have these Force visions, I think, of, of her son sitting on the Emperor's throne, and she kind of shut herself off from the Force, and some aspects like Luke did too, so... Um, that was kind of, um, that was interesting. Uh, some of the new characters, um, I can't remember the one, but there were some new characters, but, you know, the funny character was this little, uh, I don't know what you'd call him, little, little alien creature that, uh, knows how to work on, um, droids and their brains and memory. So part of this journey and process they're trying to find what's called the Sith Wayfinder, and it was something that Luke researched that was in some of his books that Ray took out of the Jedi tree before it burned type of thing. So they're trying to figure out, well, how do we get to this? What do we do? Ray remembers what this is called, goes to find it, and now this is part of her journey like Luke was going out, and I gotta face him type of thing. This is your battle. This is your journey. Um, long of the short, Kylo Ren has one, and then there's another one uh, that sh they, they need to find. And so there's a Sith dagger. Um, so you find out that this dagger uh, has some flashbacks, much like Rey when she would touch the Skywalker's saber when she touched this, you know, unknowingly that it has ties to who her family was. Well, let me first, so the saber had an inscription on it that was in Sith dialect to basically tell where that other wayfinder is. So C-3PO, you know, they frame him up as this annoying, you know, robot, knows a lot of things, knows the odds, speaks, you know, six billion languages or whatever, but one that he was programmed not to interpret or understand was the Sith language. And so part of his programming, in order to read that inscription, he basically has to have his memory wiped. Well, long of the short, they lose the dagger, but he has a picture in his mind of what was said on the dagger. So basically they have to unhinge his mind, one, to recall that, um, that data, if you will, and then for C-3PO to be able to interpret um, that information. So that's what they do. They find this, you know, random little elfish creature, little elf guy. Uh, he was kind of funny. His, his, that was good. Um, but basically it will wipe C-3PO's memory. Uh, so then he's able to tell them where the location of this dagger is. Ray sets out to find it. It's on the original or on the second Death Star. So she has to go to that crash scene. So long of the short... You find out parts of the movie where Ray has the uh, Force lightning power, and I guess at the moment it didn't click with me then, but long of the short, she is the granddaughter of Palpatine, which is interesting. Um, but her parents, um, I think it was her mom, was the daughter of Palpatine. And... It's very interesting because even that lineage and heritage, um, they didn't, the, the, her mother didn't want to be a part of it. Um, so them hiding Ray and getting rid of her was to protect her. And long of the short, that Sith dagger is what they used to kill Ray's parents. So we find out that she's the granddaughter of Palpatine, which is kind of brilliant in some ways, but you know, you got the, the grandkids kind of dueling it out, I guess, um, but there's a battle on, um, you know, where Ray and, um, Ray and, um, 
Kylo meet up there for a battle, and long of the short, a fight ensues because Kylo destroys the Wayfinder, and he's trying to lure her to the dark side, and that they can take out the Emperor together, you know, some of the things that he's seen, but he, he f- feels like the dark side's the way to go, he's too far gone, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, they have a battle on the, you know, on the Death Star that's out in this waving, rushing sea, and they're fighting, and just really great epic sword duels, too, really good stuff. I mean, that's part of the stuff that I enjoy, too, you know, you know, lightsabers were part of a more civilized time, and not as, you know, random as blasters and stuff like that, so it's kind of great to see some of these epic lightsaber duels being done with the technology today, but they're fighting, and then at some point, Kylo hears the voice of his mother, Princess Leia, and it distracts him, and I think he feels in the Force that at that moment, with her last breath, for whatever reason, she was weak, she was old, she's dying, for whatever reason, they had to kill her off, right? Um you know, kind of reaches out to him via the force, um, with her dying breath, so that distracts Kylo, and when he kind of turns, and he senses it in his spirit, and then at the same time, uh, Ray takes, did he take his sword, or hers, I can't remember, uh, but she runs him through, she kind of puts a gut shot on him, and, uh, you know, trying to kill him um and at the same moment then she feels the idea that Leia has passed and then she's like what have I done type of thing you know she give in to your hatred um realize what she's done and then this is where some of the I'll say like Mandalorian and things that you know didn't happen before but the ability of force users now to heal people there's this time where Ray uses the force to heal this creature so it doesn't eat them, you know, uh, a little wild stuff like that, but then, you know, she runs him through, Kylo's gonna die, but then she heals him, and at that moment, uh, she steals his TIE fighter or whatever to go, she's gonna go fight the Emperor, that's, um, because now at this point, I think she knows that that's her grandfather, um, and so my favorite part, at least right now, the whole movie then is when, you know, Kylo or Ben Solo is healed. He's sitting there and then his father shows up uh, with Han Solo in just this tender moment of, you know, Ben trying to recognize you're just a memory. He goes, I, my soul is dead or or whatever there's no good I, you know that that line that you know whatever that there's uh, it's too late for me how many times did it happen he's like it's not too late son and um I, he might not have said that but I'm piecing it together now because it was one of those I'm trying to record this in my head and also enjoy it at the same time um but it goes those are just lingering memories of somebody that's dead and he goes no today Kylo died Ben is alive and he goes these are your memories and it was just this tender moment of basically like son it's okay I want you to come home we love you you know you know some of that I know stuff and just you know again this tender scene of this redemption theory I mean this this redemptive plan this son I love you I put my hand on your face again and and so then it's a throwback then to force awakens when luke or han and ben were on that that platform and i know what i need to do but i don't know that i have the strength to do it he says that again and and solo says yes you do you know encouraging him and then so kylo then takes and throws his uh really cool lightsaber out into the sea type of thing uh and at that moment he knows his mom has passed and at that point he makes a turn. He makes a turn. Um, so, long of the short then, too. Um, 
Kylo then goes, well, I gotta quit calling him Kylo because he's Ben Solo now, and all these great points in the movie to tying back to the other ones. Again, there's these mirrors and the voices of the past, and a lot of this is redemption. So part of this, when um, Ray, I think the last time that she saw Princess Leia alive, you know, they're hugging, and she told Ray, don't be afraid or don't be fearful of your background or your heritage or who you are, you know, like telling that Princess Leia knew that she was of Sith descendant, but she saw light and hope in her. And so that idea that nobody's ever too far gone, there's always this chance, there's this hope, these redeeming qualities of things bigger and greater than us. Just brilliant, uh, really. So Ben Solo has to show up basically help Rey. So the idea of the Emperor, Rey was to be the Empress uh, in order for him basically to live forever in that state and with all the, uh, you know, thousands of dead Sith before, you know, it was like this weird Sith worship service. She was to strike him down. That's what he wanted all along so he could inhabit basically a new body is my understanding uh, and rule that way. Uh, you know, the idea that they're never really gone type of thing. And so maybe that's the difference between Sith and Jedi. Jedi go off into the sunset and become one with the universe. Uh, but the Sith, in order for them, they have to inhabit uh, their parasite. and They need a host. I don't know. So she was being tempted like Luke before. Strike me down. All this stuff. Give in to your hatred. The prequels. Um long of the short she refuses uh, and then I think he you know force lightning strikes her um, but long of the short so part of this stuff and again weird part of the force where they can transfer things between each other so at some point in the movie Luke gives um, Ray Leia's saber. He, she goes back to Octu to hide like Luke did, which is brilliant. Like, I don't want to do this. I know, which is great. You know, there's a battle. Do we fight? Do we? Are we enough? Nobody's ever really enough. You know, this encouragement part. Uh, so she has two sabers, of course. You know, Anakin's original and you know Leia's. Um, so Kylo shows up basically with a blaster. You know, to try and. Well, his Knights of Ren show up, and either he, the blaster won't do it, he's kind of hand-to-hand combat a little bit, so somehow Ray is able to pass this saber on to Ben Solo, you know, like this force pass. And it was really cool for me to at least see Ben Solo throw down you know, with the blue lightsaber and kicking some butt and his power. Some of their force powers are amazing. And so some of this force healing stuff is because the combination of the two, it's like a new, a new force, I guess. I don't know, but it was awesome to see him throw down. Uh, that was pretty cool. And then she has to take out some guards too. And, um, it was really cool. There's a redemption story. He's coming to help his friend at that point. He's, you know, seen the light. I have seen the light! Getting the band back together. He's got to go help her. Uh, and that's what he does. So long of the short then, you know, the th- apparently the thing with some of this force lightning stuff, you know, part of it is sucking the force out of other people. So the Emperor does that to these two. Them combining, you know, Ray and Kylo, or Ben and Ray, combining creates this amazing force power. And so it's able, the Emperor is able to kind of suck off of them and he's healed and can walk and sit on his throne. And it's kind of a cool transformation, but part of the story, um, you know, and he seemingly throws Ben into this abyss and, you know, um, Ray. So the Emperor then is like using force lightning to kind of bring down the resistance. Like he's just going to destroy everything. Which looked like that's what he was going to do. Ray was either unconscious, thought he was dead, but then she's able to then stand up, you know, like facing your fears is the destiny of all Jedi, and, you know, one foot in front of the other, and she's standing up. And then he tries to force lightning her, but then she uses um, 
the lightsaber, you know, to stop it. Uh, at that point, I think she has Leia's or Luke's or whatever, you know. So Kylo fell off into a cliff, and the the other lightsaber is there, and so ye, she uses the Force to have two swords. So she's got Luke and Leia's sword, um, and uses that to fight against the force lightning and theoretically completely destroy the emperor and close the book on all the sith uh you know everything explodes and then of course she dies and then of course you see kylo climbing up from the abyss um and then it's a very tender moment there it's it's his friend and then he uses his remaining force power and ability to heal her and then she dies or i mean to heal her and then Kylo dies of course after they kiss which was one of those things all along you thought that there was this romance thing and she had told Ben Solo I would have taken your hand if it was Ben asking not Kylo Ren you know just some brilliant stuff weaved in there uh so he then becomes the sacrificial one I mean that's what some of these Skywalkers did that's what they that's what he did Uh, So that was brilliant to see, you know, this most feared villain, this guy that just wanted to kill everything and everyone, uh, wanted to kill his uncle, father, all this, uh, has this return home moment. Uh, Just kind of brilliant and beautiful, it really was. Um, So long of the short, like most Star Wars stories, then the galaxy is saved, and so part of me in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, people, you finally taken care of it. Can you live in harmony with everyone and everything? <laughs> That's where my mind went. Like, all right, let's not do this again. We are happy. There is balance. Everybody has meaning and purpose. Let's go on with it. Now, Star Wars just becomes this great nation that lives on uh, based on all their hard work. I don't know. I'm like, so let it be. So, you know, the reuniting of friends and... and um, you know, the, the appearance of Lando in it, and uh, even how the character that plays C-3PO, Anthony Daniels, I think is his name, you know, makes an appearance as a typh- or a, a rebellion um, pilot at one point. Um, so, it closes brilliantly. It's a throwback to the originals. Um, so, Ray ends up going back to Tatooine, uh, you know, of course, where Luke was, um, where Obi-Wan took him to live with, um, Lars, Lars and Shami, or whoever, that, you know, the moisture farm, that's where he ended up, so she goes back there, um, and takes Luke and Leia's lightsabers, and, you know, kind of uses the force to bury him in the sand out there, which, you know, at some point, that's going to have to come back again, right? You just, apparently nothing ever goes away, but then she's able to see the Force ghosts of Luke and Leia, and someone comes up, and, you know, nobody's been to this place in generations, you know, who are you? And she says, I'm Ray Skywalker, so that's the rise of Skywalker, her identity, even though her blood was of Sith, she's a Jedi, and it's, it's that redeeming quality that it's open and available for all, and then the movie ends with her, and I think BB-8, you know, watching the two sunset on Tatooine, um, so I think overall, it was well done, well placed, um, had some, had some fine moments, um, there's some of it, you're kind of like, ah, what was that about? But again, it's one of those that I, I have to give it the grace it deserves. It would be a difficult task, no matter what writer you are, although I would like to think I could have come up with something better, just kidding. To take something like this so cherished, so endearing, uh, across some age spectrums, and then somehow try and put a bow on it with the idea then too, you know we still got to make money on this franchise moving forward so long of the short i feel fulfilled uh yet a little disappointed again i think they could have done some more with the characters development and, and direction that they go but uh as much as i would like to see a different end point or you know certain things never happen at all in this 
they do a good job of tying it together. I feel like there was no loose ends. I don't feel like there's some loose ends. You know, you figure out what Snoke was about and some of this stuff. There's there's plenty of holes like, huh, well, this was never discussed, but then you're like, all right, it fits. You know, the things that maybe I would disagree with, it wasn't so outlandish where you go, okay, that's just freaking ridiculous. Why would you even bring that up? Uh, didn't have any of those moments, um, even though it could have easily been there. But, again, I'll still say it's the year 2019. I got to enjoy a Star Wars movie with my son in the movie theater. Uh, you know, and a kid that's seen some of these greatest movies in recent years, you know, Marvel and how that movie links to him. And, uh, you know, so I part of me, I guess, I can appreciate they did it well enough that it addressed what they call the fanboys and people that don't find it as endearing as maybe another franchise. So I guess that's what you want, right? Um, regardless of where the location and who the characters are, this is an excellent story that could and should be told. This one just happens to be with things like the Force, lightsaber, lightsabers, and uh, weird family get-togethers. <laughs> Anyhow, so I've yapped on long enough for today. Um, again, brilliant movie. Uh, good times had by all. You get a chance, go see it. I'm also going to put in the description somehow uh, about that um, musical artist that I was talking about in the beginning uh, with a little mud in your eye. So here's to another beautiful day of making it count, making a difference with people around you and just, again, live in that moment and uh, share that hope. Glad to be alive. Hope you are too. Hope you're enjoying your day. And we'll talk to you next time on the Colloquial Koi Podcast. Bye-bye. Tranquility base here, the eagle has landed. Tranquility base here, the eagle has landed. Tranquility base here.